This is the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best tips and strategies in the world to help you become a smarter, more effective tennis player. You'll hear interviews with pro tour doubles players and coaches, including easy-to-use lessons to improve your game and win more matches. My name is Will Bocek, founder of the Tennis Tribe, doubles strategy coach, and host of the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today we are doing a WTA Finals preview. We're going to talk about all the teams from the WTA Finals. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit of strategy for each of them as well uh, and kind of recap their year so far. And today I'm joined by Hanlon Walsh. Hanlon, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Always good talking doubles. So... Let's go through these teams, uh, eight through one. Right now, as we speak, uh, the finals in Guadalajara is being played. So uh, Danalina and Haddad Maya are in that finals. If they win, I'm not sure if they can get all the way to seventh. But right now, I think they sit in the eighth position. So we will start with them. Uh, they made the finals in Australia at the beginning of the year. Then we, it seemed like we didn't hear a lot from them for a while. And then they made this big push in Guadalajara, beating a lot of really good teams in a row to um, catch Melikar, Martinez, and Perez and uh, claim that eighth spot. Yeah, they they really have had a uh, pretty like start or beginning of the season and end of season strong results. But like you said, like in the middle of the season, um, didn't hear a ton about them, but they started off strong in Australia. And then, I mean, this week in Guadalajara, just when they needed results the most, they took out um, Garachi and Claypack first round. They beat uh, Dez, Krauchik, and Demi Shores second round. They took out Goff and Pagula um, in the quarters. And then in the semis, took out the top seed Czech team of uh, Krajikova and Siniakova. So quite the impressive um, roster of teams that they beat in three of those teams they'll see again next week in Fort Worth. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, (laughs) regardless of, uh, if you're rooting one way or another or who you wanted to see, uh, in Fort Worth, um, they definitely earned it. I mean, that is an unbelievable run, uh, down in Guadalajara and they're looking to, to kind of cap it off, uh, tonight. Um, and you mentioned before the call, we have a lot of lefty righty combos and this is one of them. So, um, excuse me, Haddad Maya, uh, is a, um, pretty powerful, uh, lefty, um, who plays in the deuce court. So they play forehands in the middle, which is, uh, typically what I recommend to people, unless you just really prefer returning from uh, a particular side, but she has a really, um, really strong game. She's a really, I think she's probably almost six feet tall, um, and then Danalina uh, is is really solid from the baseline as well, a good net player. Um, so they have blended well uh, down in Guadalajara, and it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that uh, that momentum. Yeah, I, I think you could make both arguments. You know, will they uh, are they going to stay hot and keep the momentum, or do you think they they could have a bit of imposter syndrome or run it, run out of steam? You know, having barely qualified at the last minute and then the altitude adjustments from Guadalajara to Fort Worth and, you know, all the other things. Um, fortunately, it's not too long of a travel uh, time from place to place, but um, right. yeah, it'll be interesting to see which group they, they draw in and, you know, the head to heads between all these different teams is pretty fascinating. 
as well. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where they land in the groups in Fort Worth. Yeah. Yeah. If if they finish eighth, like I think they will, then they'll be in the group. I think with Krachikova and Siniakova, um, who they just beat. But I, I have to say in that match, uh, Krachikova and Siniakova did not play their best tennis. Um, no, I they didn't. Be, I've never I'd seen be them totally, Yeah. Yeah. I'd be never totally surprised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be very surprised to see them play that poorly again. Um, pulling up something here. Okay, so let's go on to uh, the team that is in seventh right now, uh, Demi Shores and Desiree Kraftchik. Talk a little bit about the year they've had. They've had, yeah, really steady, consistent year overall, I would say. I know we were in Indian Wells, which I'm pretty sure was their first tournament together. And since then, you know, they've slowly been building throughout the year. A lot of quarterfinals, a lot of semifinals. Um, I think I saw when I was doing research that they've they've made it to five different semifinals um, throughout the year. So they've, they've come up short in a lot of the big matches um, to teams who just have, you know, a bigger upside or more explosive game than they do. Um, and I think that's, that's one thing that they lack a little bit, but they, they had a really good run in the um, clay swing. They won the title in Stuttgart, finished runner up in Madrid and semifinalist in Rome, all back to back. So went 11 and two over a three week period there. So that was probably the peak of their season. And, you know, Beyond that, like I said, they just had a lot of really week in, week out solid results, making it to a lot of quarters and semis. So um, definitely look for them to make a strong statement in Fort Worth. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, with them, you get uh, neither of them have super big serves. So you get a lot of kind of longer rallies, um, a lot of really good net play. Craft uh, Chick's a lefty. She plays in the deuce court as well. So they, again, do forehands in the middle. Uh, Demi Schurz is she might be my favorite uh, player on the WTA tour to watch play. Um, she is so aggressive with her returns, loves to step in and return volley and take that serve really early, which totally neutralizes the server's partner. Um, and her hands at the net are uh, really right there with um, some of the other uh, top volleyers in the women's game. So um, they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but like I said, they don't. I feel like for me, they don't get quite enough like free points on their serve. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things that's kind of held them back and uh, maybe prevented them from getting a, a, a bigger title um, this year. So yeah. Next. Go ahead. Well, I agree. I think that's probably, you know, the reason why they have come up short in some of those big matches when they come up against somebody, you know, like Gabby Dabrowski and Juju Olmos, who they're 0-2 mm-hmm. against this year, or Krajikova and Siniakova or whoever, you know, some of the te- the top teams who have those more explosive weapons, that seems to be when they've gotten into um, some trouble this year. And and have, they've also come across um, team, you know, unseated teams like Katie McNally and Alicia Parks a few weeks ago that will just kind of come out of nowhere and and can blank them in straight sets. So um, they've, I feel mm-hmm. like they've had kind of a mix of both of those outcomes happen to them this year. Yeah. Yeah. But de- definitely a, a really fun team to watch. Like I said, so if you're in Fort Worth, definitely uh, mark that one down and, and try to get out and watch them. Um, so next we have uh Yifan Shu and I- I'm not going to pronounce her name, right? I think it's Zhao Xuan Ying. Um, uh, so they are in the sixth spot right now. Um, 
and they made a, a pretty good run here in Guadalajara um, to the semifinals and took out Dabrowski and Olmos in the quarters um, and won Indian Wells earlier this year. Uh, so they've been a pretty consistent team throughout the year. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. I feel like that was a pretty big statement win over uh, Dabrowski and Olmos. Um that kind of puts them in the conversation for, you know, who can, you know, make a run into the semifinals and finals and potentially win this thing. Yeah. And they've played some of their best tennis on us soil this year. They won at Indian Wells. Um, they also won it in San Jose this summer. And I know, um, you know, Fort Worth is, is certainly different than California and, you know, summer to fall. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, that could, that's an added uh, feather in their cap. And then they, they also have a, five and five head to head against the rest of the field, um, in 2022, um, which is, is better than actually a lot of teams who have losing records against the rest of the field. So they, it seems that they match up well with, um, some of the teams. So it may just, you know, depend on which group they draw in and who their round Robin opponents are. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this is another, um, lefty righty combo. So, uh, uh, Yifan Shu, she goes by Julie actually. So Julie Shu, um, is a lefty. She plays in the deuce court. She likes to get to the net, uh, very similar to, to kind of a Demi Shores. Um, and she's really, uh, really strong at, um, at the net. She's not a very tall player. Um, doesn't have the biggest serve, but really solid returner, very smart player, um, and moves well at the net. And then, uh, her partner Yang is, um, really good from the baseline. Uh, solid at the net as well, um, but has a little bit more power overall. Um, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, but on the WTA side, uh, typically you're going to see the best doubles teams have that kind of baseliner who can kind of dictate the point and then the net player who can finish things off. And in that case, uh, or in this case, um, Shu is that net player and then Yang uh, likes to play um, from the back, although they do both get forward at times as well. So it seems like they complement each other well too. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, um, Shu used to play with Gabby Dabrowski and they actually made the year end finals for three consecutive years from 2017 to 2019. So this will be mm-hmm. uh, Shu's fourth appearance in the WTA doubles finals and Yang's first. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they'll have the you know, kind of experience um, or youth co- combination a little bit. As well, yeah. I mean, is twenty seven, so I wouldn't consider her young by any means. But just in terms of first time to a WTA final, um, she'll certainly want to lean on Ju's experience um, on the bigger stages against you know the best teams in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, she's she's been a, a double specialist for a while now. So uh, next at number five, we have Elise Martins, who is no stranger to the uh, doubles WTA finals and Veronica Kudermatova. And at the beginning of the year, I was really interested to see how they were going to do. I knew they'd be good. Um, I didn't know how good because uh, I, I feel like neither of them is awesome at the net. And like I said, I, I feel like usually you have to have that that right combo of baseliner and net player. And when Mertens was playing with Shay, Shay was that net player, right? And she was able to kind of dictate uh, from the baseline because, you know, Mertens, of course, also plays singles. And um, these singles players are able to, especially the ones who who have a lot of success with doubles, 
they're able to hit off of both wings in either direction. So she can hit her forehand down the line or across her body. She can hit her backhand inside out or inside in uh, or across her body as well. So um, because they're able to do that, you can't really, um, you know, move at the net and force them into some uncomfortable shot because they really have all of the, all of the weapons uh, to choose from. Yeah, that's a good point. I, and I was thinking this when I was, you know, looking at them as a partnership and doing a little research on their year um, mm-hmm. because this, they, they both feel, you know, very similarly, unlike a lot of the teams in the uh, WTA finals field who complement each other really well, like you said, either the lefty righty combination or the, you know, big baseliner, aggressive net player, more double savvy player. Um, and they kind of have, you know, similar games in that respect. So um, mm-hmm. looking at Mert, and this is Merton's fourth WTA finals appearance um, and this with four different partners. So there's actually several players in the field this year who have, you know, been to the WTA finals numerous times um, with mm-hmm. each with different partners. And I think looking at Mertens as past partners, um, Shaysway, they've made it, they made it to the finals here last year, came up short against the Czechs. Um, 2019, she played with Arena Sabalenka. In 2018, she partnered with Demi Shores. And each of those three between Shay, Sabalenka, and Shores have very different game styles than Mertens does and complements her very well. Um, yeah. So I think to their strength, Kudermatova and Mertens are very solid and consistent um, from the baseline. But again, I don't know that they have that kind of the it factor, the big explosive weapons that can really take over a match when you need a partner to on the doubles court. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun to watch. Um, I, they're actually a team. I, I haven't had a chance to to study or watch a ton of this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see them here in Fort Worth. Uh, so Mertens next probably has the better one more thing about Mertens. Yeah. Uh, Got to give her some credit for her lob. I think she has the best That's lob on the point. WTA that I, um, that I've probably seen. And, yeah. um, being a big fan of the moon ball myself, I always <laughs> appreciate, uh, watching Mertens, you know, throw it up, uh, throw it up in the air when, you know, she wants to redirect a doubles point. So I think that's, you know, one of her best strengths as a doubles player. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's it's a great um it's used a lot more, I'd say, on the women's side, just because because typically they're you know not as tall and uh their overheads might not uh be quite as strong. And um Mertens is one of the best at it for sure. She uh is able to, you know, if she's in a cross court rally and wants to get out of it, she can redirect that lob down the line with with really good accuracy and feel and um depth and things like that. So um, yeah, th- this will be uh that'll be a good one to watch. Uh, next number four, we have, uh, Ludmila Kitchenok and Helena Astapinko. So, um, they won, they won Cincinnati. Is that right? Yeah, they yeah. won Birmingham and Cincinnati and then were finalists in Dubai and Eastbourne this year. Okay. Yeah. So they've had a strong year. Um, I remember watching them at Indian Wells. Uh, I think that might've been last year actually. Um, and Kitchenok is, a just a really solid doubles player. And then we all know Ostapenko can, uh, really hit the crap out of the ball. Um, that she and, can. yeah, and she's a really fiery player. She, uh, you know, she's always trying to like distract her opponents. One thing I noticed at Indian Wells is she like shuffles her feet a bunch to, to try to, it seems like it's to try to distract the server on the other side. 
um, while she's returning, which is uh, kind of strange. But um, her uh, her power, and again, she's a singles player, so she can kind of redirect pace well. Um, she can generate pace well, uh, and and also gets the net. So that combination with Kitchenhawk's kind of double savviness is, uh, you know, they make for a good, you know, two right-handed players, um, a good solid doubles team. They do. And, you know, the thing with Ostapenko, as we know in her singles game, is she doesn't really have uh, any margin on her shots or a plan B. So I think this is a team that um, we could probably see, you know, easily take out any anyone in the WTA finals or depending on the type of day or mood that Ostapenko might be in um, or having um, you know, I could see them, you know, just bowing out to someone or at least having have dips performance dips just based on yeah. how often Pinko is on the court. But luckily, you know, for doubles, she has kitchen up there to, um, you know, hopefully steady the ship when, when that, those moments happen. But um, I did want to point out they're there. They probably peaked the most mid in the middle of the season this year um, mm-hmm. between Roland Garros to the U S open. They went 23 and five. Um, that run included the two titles um, in Birmingham and Cincinnati that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, a runner-up performance in Eastbourne and semifinals and back-to-back majors at Roland Garros and Wimbledon. So clearly, they you know saved their best tennis for the the bigger event. So I, I could see them you know shaking some things up in uh, in the group stage, depending on who they um, draw get drawn against. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point about Ostapenko. I mean, if she is on, she's um... Yeah, one of the best in the world for sure, singles or doubles. Um, and uh, because it's you know this format is a ten point breaker for the third. So uh, if she is able to catch fire just for an hour, forty five minutes or something, that can be uh, the difference in the match. You know, you don't have that full third to kind of let her cool off or anything like that. Um, so uh, yeah, so they're sitting at number four right now at three is Jessica Pagula and Coco Golf. This is probably, you know, the team that I would say most um, American tennis fair fans, you know, maybe the most household doubles name that we have in the draw, especially for more mm-hmm. casual fans who are, you know, live in Texas or in the U.S. and coming uh, to the WTA finals in person. I think they'll be really excited to see Golf and Pagula um, play together, both in singles and doubles. And, that you know, they've had a an incredibly consistent year on the doubles court. Um, you know, they haven't played as often as some of the other teams like, you know, Dabrowski and almost or Kitchenhawk and Ostapenko, mm-hmm. you know, mainly because of their singles commitments. And then they didn't really start playing together until um, the middle East swing, I think in February. And then since, since then I've kind of picked and chosen which tournaments they play together, but when they have played together, they've been really good. They have uh, one of the highest, win percentages in 2022 among the teams in the WTA finals um, at 79%. So their record on the year is 22 and six. And that includes three titles um, in Doha, I believe was the first one, um, Toronto and San Diego. And then they also were runner up and they're at Roland Garros. So they've had a a heck of a year for as um, less often as they played relative to other teams. Yeah. Yeah. And there it's been interesting watching Coco uh do so well. I mean, both of these players have done so well in singles. They're they're qualified for Fort Worth uh for the singles. Um uh 
uh, WTA finals as well. So they're going to have their hands full. Um, they're going to be playing a lot of tennis, but they're used to it. I mean, they've done it, like you said, a, a number of times this year. Uh, and it's been fun to watch Coco's doubles game develop the past few years. Um, I've, I've studied her game a lot. I've scouted against her a few times uh, and her, um, the area of her game that's gotten really a lot better is her volleys. Um, her serves gotten better for singles and doubles for sure, but her volleys um, and her movement at the net and her kind of instincts at the net, she, she's moving a lot better. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't consider her one of the best volleyers uh, on the doubles tour right now, but um, it used to be more of a liability and now uh, it's becoming an asset for her. Uh, so that combination with uh, Pagula's just solid power from the baseline. Um, you know, like we said, she's a singles player, so she can, uh, you know, redirect from off of either wing. Uh, she beats you down the line a lot, uh, and they're both great returners. So they're going to be in every return game. You don't get a lot of free points off of uh, missed returns from them. Um, so they're they're a very good team. Uh, they I, I could definitely see them uh, pushing to the finals and maybe winning the thing. Yeah, I think um, you know it'll certainly depend on their single, how they're doing in singles too, and you know if they have long matches or what their you know energy fitness levels like. I don't, you know, we haven't really right. seen any issues from them in um, any tournaments that I can remember this year of them. You know, they seem very committed to doubles. Uh, I know we talked about or talked with Jessica Bagula in the press conference in Toronto, and you asked her that question about you know how long is she going to stay committed to doubles and where it kind of ranks on her priorities and they seem very committed. I don't, I don't remember them, you know, withdrawing any matches this year that they've played. So it's good to see them mm -hmm. really prioritize both. Um, I'm also interested to see, you know, who's in their group, if the seating stay the same, because they have a six and three head to head against the field. So um, some good winning records against a lot of the teams in here. So again, it'll, it'll totally depend on the matchups and how the round Robin groups are drawn, but um, I, right. I like their chances too to get out of the whatever group that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure the singles, uh, yeah, I mean, singles is always a full third. So um, they're doing full third with add uh, the doubles. I believe it's no add and a 10 point tiebreaker for the third. So it's uh, if they do have some long kind of three set singles matches, it, it could affect them on the doubles court, but I guess it might help them that, uh, it, it's a 10 pointer for the third and doubles. So yeah, we will, and this uh, is a side note too, but, um, Jessica Bagula has five titles on the year with three different partners. Um, so she's, she's won a, a title with, um, she won with Aaron Rutliff in DC. Mm -hmm. And then I'm blanking on who, um, who the other one was, but she's won. she and Katerina Siniakova have, are, are the the title leaders this year with multiple different partners. So I think that speaks a lot about Pagula's doubles game um, that she's, you know, versatile and able to win with many different partners, including Coco. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she told us in Toronto that she's really trying to, to work on her kind of offensive net game as well. Um, and it seems like she's uh, continued to improve that for sure. Um, I would say Coco is the stronger player at the net. But um, I, I don't think it's a big gap. Uh, I feel like Jessica uh, can hold her own. Uh, but they're definitely their best combination is is going to be with Coco at the net uh, and Jessica uh, back, kind of uh, moving the ball around and uh, setting up Coco at the net. So um, 
So the second team right now at number two is Krechikova and Siniakova. So um, this is the team I probably know better than anyone or uh, any of the other teams. Uh, Krechikova um, plays the deuce court. Siniakova plays the ad court. Uh, they use a lot of eye formation. Um, and they are the best doubles team in the world. Uh, Siniakova is the best doubles player in the world in my mind. Um, she uh, is the best mover at the net of anyone um, anyone on tour. Uh, she's very aggressive. Uh, her offensive volleys are, are really exceptional. Her backhand's uh, incredible. Um, and I think that they're probably going to win the thing again. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a you know that's a safe safe assumption to make. Um, <laughs> they this year they were eighteen and zero in in majors. They won all three majors they played: the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. They didn't play the French, um, so you know they just show up when it matters. And I think given the round robin format, where they get to work their way into a few matches, and um, you know I think that'll that'll certainly favor the better teams um, rather than, you know, traditional single elimination. Like we see throughout the year, I think this will really help them get into the zone and and feel confident heading into the semifinals. Um, but not only this year, you know, they, they've already won six majors um, and they're only 26 years old. So I think bigger than, you know, winning um, the WTA finals this year, just thinking about where they kind of stack up in um WTA doubles history, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if they can keep this up, I think they could certainly become one of the, one of, if not the best doubles teams of all time. Cause you know, surely they have, you know, if they stay healthy and keep playing together, which, you know, a lot can change, they could easily have, you know, 10 more solid years together. Yeah. Um, and this is, I believe the WTA finals is the only really major tournament they haven't already won. Cause they won the career grand slam this year when they won the U S open, they've won Olympic gold, They've won um, the Billie Jean King Cup for Czech Republic. So this is really, um, I mean, I'm sure there's probably some WTA 1000s that they might not have won yet. But in terms of, you know, the slams and the other bigger um, competitions. I think they won last year, didn't they? Didn't they win in Guadalajara last year? Oh, wait, you're right. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they did. (laughs) Maybe Maybe the U.S. Open was the last. Okay, you're right. I think. Yeah, this is the only one maybe they haven't won twice. How about that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we're. It sounds better. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But we'll see how it goes. I. I think. I mean, I could see them just rolling through the field. Like they only dropped one set at the Australian Open, one set at Wimbledon. Uh, and then the U.S. Open was a little more dicey. Um, yeah. And then the other night they lost to, uh, Haddad Maya and Danalina. And like we were talking about earlier, they uh that was the worst match I've ever seen them play. I think. Uh, yeah. So. The third set tiebreaker, they missed four yeah, four volleys at the net. It was I, I like I have no evidence of this, but they were kind of in control of who was in that eighth position. Like if they, they wanted, to, no, I mean there's too much money on the line and stuff like that. But like if if they wanted to like throw that match because they wanted to see Haddad Maya and Danalina instead of Melikar and Perez. Like they could have, I, I don't think they did that though. But I mean, if um, I were them, I would want to wanted to or want to have seen Melikar and Perez in my group either, just based on their last few matches with them. Yeah, yeah. So they Melikar and Perez beat them 
like two and three in Cincinnati. Uh, and then at the U.S. Open, they it was a long three-set match, and uh, and Krejcikova and Sinikova came out on top in that one. But um, I don't know. I mean, Haddad Maya and Danielina took them to three at the Australian Open final as well. So um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that that's what happened at all. Uh, but it just crossed my mind while I was watching. Like they're they're kind of in control of who gets eighth. I'm um, sure there's probably a, a con- conspiracy theory out there on <laughs> somewhere that that was the reason. But um, this was interesting yeah. to be looking at their head-to-heads this year. Um, they haven't played golf in Pagula yet. The the Czech team of Krajikova and Siniakova haven't played them. So that would be really fun to see those two teams square mm-hmm. off in either the semis or the finals, assuming that they'll likely be in in different groups. Um, but their head-to-head against the rest of the field is – is four and one, which is, you know, 80% win percentage. Um, and then they're 23 and four overall in 2022 at an 85% win percentage, which is the highest among all the teams um, in the UTA yeah. finals, which, you know, isn't surprising. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely the the team to beat. I mean, I, I think anybody who uh, watches doubles definitely will, uh, will pick them as, as the clear favorites. Um, so the last team sitting at number one right now, uh, I don't know if this will change. Uh, we have Gabby Dabrowski and Juju Olmos. They've been, yeah, Gabby and Juju have been, I would say the, you know, and the numbers show it, obviously they're number one in the race right now before the Guadalajara points come in, but they've been the most consistent week in week out team all year. Um, they've won two titles together and have made just what feels like every tournament they enter, they make at least the quarters or the semis finals. Um, they've just, they've always, you know, been the team that's just kind of been there all year. I know they had a little bit of a slower start, but they really started hitting their stride around um, Indian Wells and, you know, through the clay and grass swing and a uh, hard court swing. So they, they've had a, just a really great year. They're uh, 36 and 16 in 2022 with a 69% win percentage. Um, and I think that just speaks to, you know, their consistency every week. Yeah. Yeah. They've had a really strong year. Um, yeah. Gabby's a really fun player to watch again. Uh, she's one of those double specialists who's really good at the net. Her movement at the net is, is as good as anybody out there. Um, and she uh, has really solid returns uh, a pretty good serve. And from the baseline, um, she also has some pretty good lobs, uh, kind of like um, Mertens. Uh, so she she uses that kind of variety to get to the net. Um, you'll see her constantly kind of pushing forward. She'll slice, she'll lob down the line and come in behind it. Um, she poaches a lot from the net. And then Juju's more of just kind of the solid baseliner. Uh, she gets the net as well. Um, but if they're both at net, uh, Gabby's the typically the stronger net player um, and Juju's kind of dictating with her forehand. Uh, but um, they, you know, they were on the podcast with us in, uh, in Toronto and uh, have had a, yeah, ha- had a really good year um, and are definitely, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them uh, in the finals or maybe even win the thing. Uh, Cause they hung with Krejcikova and Sinekova at uh, the U S open uh, a few months ago. And um uh, yeah, that they're number one for a reason. So we'll, we'll see how that, see how it goes. Would you say that Gabby or, and Siniakova are the two, you know, individually, um, would you say they're the two strongest 
doubles players in the field just on their own? Um, or who, who would you? Yeah, yeah, p- probably so. I mean, Gabby's been here a few times uh, and she's played with a, a number of different players. And it seems like when she's playing consistently and, and playing well, she's she's just a really smart um yeah, really good doubles player. Siniakova, I think Siniakova is number one, and I think it's pretty by a decent margin or decent enough margin. Um, she's uh, plays a lot of singles too, so I think that kind of helps her a little bit more. Gabby doesn't play any singles, so you won't see her hitting from the baseline in matches when maybe she needs to for whatever reason, but Siniakova can do that. Um so yeah, I, I would say those two are the best, uh, the best two um, doubles players in the field. Uh, Demi Schurz is really good. She's uh, just not quite as like strong or tall, so she doesn't have a, a big serve or a big weapon um, like uh, Dabrowski and Siniakova do. But um, she's also a great doubles player, really fun to watch. Julie Shoes, great as well. Um, a lot of doubles specialists and and some good singles players uh, in the field too. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. a lot of players. Um, it's interesting. It seems like there's like crop of players who have made it, you know, uh, this is their, will be their fourth time go- going back to um, mm-hmm. 2017, 2018, uh, Krajikova and Siniakova. This will be their fourth WT finals to qualify for. I believe this, this will be Gabby's fifth. I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. And then Demi Shores, Mertens, um, shoe all of them you know this is their their fourth final so there's you kind of have this crop of very experienced players who have been playing doubles for a while and then a lot of um newer players whether it's you know golf and pagula who have just been you know finding double success in the last year or two together or you know ostapenko um and kitchenock making it for the first time together this year so it'll be interesting to see you know the, the veteran how the veterans and the first timers um play you know play together against each other yeah yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch so um i think we'll wrap up here uh for anybody listening if you're going to the wca finals in fort worth hamlin and i will be there uh definitely reach out to me and we can watch some doubles together uh you can always email me will at the tennis tribe.com uh it's probably the the best way to reach out uh hamlin any uh parting words before uh we hop off here one more uh, double stat for you, and, and this is um, was also pretty fascinating. That of the eight teams that were in the WTA Finals last year, only one of them is is back for more this year, and that's the Czech team of Krajikova and Siniakova. A, a lot of players are back um, in the finals again this year. Actually, seven of sixteen doubles players um, that will be playing at Fort Worth were in the finals last year, but. There's just been a lot of partnership um, transitions and just shakeups at the top of the tour. So a lot of the the teams this year are playing together in the finals for the first time. So mm-hmm. that's my my parting uh, stat and wisdom for <laughs> out there. That's interesting. On the ATP, I think it's like three or four are going to be the same. Yeah, um, this year so was yeah. definitely a big transition year for a lot of the WTA doubles team. So, yeah. and I think it'll be interesting too after you know a lot of. Uh, partnerships will probably stick it out through the end of the year, knowing that they have a good chance of qualifying for the finals. And then, um, you know, if they're in the race, then obviously more incentives to stay together, even maybe if they wanted to 
call it quits sooner than later. So sure. I think at the end of every year, we always see teams, you know, mixing and matching a little bit like we did last year. So the beginning yeah. of 2023 will be fun to watch which teams, you know, stay together and which teams jump ship. Yeah. Yeah, it will be cool. Uh, awesome. Well, this was fun. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, definitely reach out if you're going to Fort Worth. Uh, if not, be sure to watch it uh, on TV. It'll be on the tennis channel. Um, so be sure to watch as much of the uh, doubles as possible. I think during pool play matches are going to start at three o'clock uh, central time in the US. Uh, and then the second doubles match is going to be after the two singles matches. So that will start, I think, at 9 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and then I'm not sure what the schedule is for the semis and finals, but um, most of the week during pool play, that will be the schedule. So um, thanks everyone again. And uh, I will talk to you in the next episode. If you're a doubles player, you'll love our weekly strategy newsletter. Every Thursday, I send you my best doubles tips, tactics, and strategies that you can use in your very next match. And when you sign up, I'll also send you a free 20-page ebook that has my favorite doubles tactics for forcing errors and getting more easy volleys at the net. Go to thetennistribe.com newsletter to sign up now.